a lot of holes in the desert, and a lot of problems are buried in those holes. Yes, that was Nikki Santoro so eloquently describing how the problem of the Cleveland Browns was handled when they took their trip to the desert last week. As predicted here on Swipe Right Sports, it is your sports pod hookup. I am your host, Bobby Adcock. I don't know why that little <laughs> clip makes me laugh so much. Yeah, a lot of holes in desert. Um Kind of that game kind of was pretty uh, reminiscent of the scene where uh, Nikki and his brother got taken out to the desert themselves. So uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk about the Browns. We're gonna get to uh, the L.A. Lambs as they're now referred to later on in the NFL Pick segment with the Doctor. But first, I'm back. CFB DFS Bull Bonanza preview on DraftKings. We got a six-game slate to get through, and that will start now. All right, welcome in. We are talking college football DFS. We're doing the six-game bull bonanza on DraftKings this Saturday. It is a rough group of bull games. It is what DFS and gambling were made for. So, um, let's just start off. We're going to go game by game. I'll give you kind of my big picture takeaways and, you know, of course, a few uh, guys here and there that I think you want to look into. There's another siren. My God. Uh, okay. So first bowl game, the New Mexico Bowl. You guessed it. Played in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's at 2 p.m. Eastern. San Diego State in Central Michigan. San Diego State minus 3.5. Over under a 41 I think the Vegas projection tells you everything you need to know. You just generally want to avoid this game. We can invest our resources elsewhere and just have a lot more upside. Uh, we talked about CMU for championship week, and I like their running backs, but this is a really tough matchup defensively, as the over-under suggests. Um, San Diego State, I think, I believe is the best run defense in the nation. So um, all their games are trying to win, you know, 20 to 17 and that stuff. So that's just how these games go when they're in them. Uh, there's a couple guys I think if you really want, you know, you really want to have someone in these games, I think there's maybe a little bit of value with Chase Jasmine at running back and Jesse Matthews at wide receiver for San Diego State. Um, they're just based on their price, they're like in the low mid four thousand range, and um, guys I might consider uh, if I just had to play someone and couldn't wait until the next game, which is two thirty. It is the FBC Mortgage Curable. In a little more friendlier uh, game script here, it is Liberty versus Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is minus four, over under a 58. Um, and we're gonna start, let's talk about Liberty football because I'm not gonna pretend like I you know, have broken down the film and been pouring over Liberty football games all season. I have not. With these types of things, uh, very simple. You just go look at game logs and look at what the recent trends are in the last three or four games. See if there's any uh, notable storylines or injuries to, you know, speculate on. And I think that's where you start with Liberty because I think their big note is that Kevin Shaw or Shea—I'm not exactly sure how it's pronounced—but 
He's been out since early November with an injury. He's kind of the number two guy in that pecking order for receiving. And so you look at, okay, who has kind of stepped up a little bit over the last month to fill that role? Freshman Noah Frith. This is one of my favorite building block guys on the board. $3,600, dirt cheap. He's caught at least two passes in the last four games without Shaw in the lineup. He's been a big play guy as well. He's the only guy on the team, well, he, he leads the team in 18 yards, 18.6 yards per catch. Uh, and that only includes guys with actually double-digit catches on the season. So um, big play guy, and also I think even most important, he scored a touchdown in each of the last two games. Biggest factor, both have come in the first half. So that means he's involved. He's involved early on. He's not. This isn't a uh, product of game flow in the second half when they're getting blown out and they're putting their backups in. He's playing. He's playing early, and they're going to him. They're giving him looks. So um, I really like Noah Frith as a building block piece for me. And the other freshman receiver who's kind of he's kind of you know perked up a little bit here in these last two games has been C.J. Yarbrough. He's had six catches for 124 yards in those last two games. However, all of that production coming in the second half. So you may go, eh, I don't I don't know if I really want to take a more of a risk with him, I think, uh, more of a speculative play. However, I think one thing we all know is that in these bowl games, uh, these are points where coaches do make a kind of an initiative to get younger guys playing time and see what they're building towards for next year. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him out there a little bit earlier and more often. So someone to consider, CJ Yarbrough for Liberty in the Mortgage Cure Bowl. <laughs> why, why are we doing this? <laughs> All right. So, and of course, okay, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden is the, uh, he's the NFL prospect uh, at receiver for Liberty. He's, as you can see by his price of 7,500, uh, probably one of the highest floors on the board. In eight of 12 games this year, he's recorded at least six catches and 60 yards. So, um, yeah, I I have no doubt he'll be able to do fine with his production level against a Georgia Southern secondary. So uh, let's talk about Georgia Southern. I don't really have any big opinion on Liberty running backs. So um, basically, I think I'll do better elsewhere, which we'll get to that. Um, Georgia Southern, think pretty straightforward. They do the heavy option offense. Shy Wirtz is that uh, quarterback who I've talked about in the past who has that kind of that running back one uh, stats lines for at quarterback, and he has the passing stats upside to go along with it. So I think at 6,500, there's plenty of value for him there. And then the other guy is uh, J.D. King, I think might be a little bit mispriced. Some nice value there at 5,800. You look at the, the game logs in the last like eight games or so, he's always getting around 15 touches. He has eight touchdowns in the last eight games as well. So, um, you know, he's just he's heavily involved in a very run-heavy offense and obviously around the goal line, too. He's a guy they like to go to. So um, I like him and Wirtz there in that offense. Other than that, Wesley Kennedy the third is their really high-priced running back who I, I just think it's a big risk here. He has to score touchdowns to justify that uh, price because otherwise, you know, if these touchdowns go to King or Wurtz right off the bat, it's like, oh man, how many how many are they going to score in a game? What three, four offensive touchdowns at the most, probably. So um, I don't know. I think at that price, 
there's just a really high risk there if he doesn't get the touchdown. So I'm going to look elsewhere at running back if I'm spending that kind of money, and we're going to talk about one of them next. And this is the next game, which is kind of the belt of the ball for this slate here, or we'll see. It could be. Maybe not. It's the Sheriff Bundy Boca Raton Bowl. That's at 3.30 Eastern. It features SMU and FAU Florida Atlantic, who Lane Kiffin just left. He was the coach of the year in the conference. They just won their conference championship over another team that we'll talk about later in this slate. Um, okay, SMU minus three over under 69 and a half. That is why this will have so much interest for the DFS community and this entire slate. It has that projection, that back and forth shootout that we all love. So um, we can just get SMU out of the way pretty quickly. They're very straightforward. We know Buscelli and um, Proche, Xavier Jones. Those are the studs in the offense. Their, their prices reflect it. We all know who they are if you've been playing. Um, yeah, fire away at will on all, any of those guys. Uh, Xavier Jones was a running back I'm talking about who, if I'm spending money, that type of money on it running back, I want him as opposed to Wesley Kennedy. I just I, I don't see the value there, especially when Georgia Southern just doesn't throw enough passes to any of these running backs or anyone at all. So um, Jones is a guy I like a lot better. He has a better game script here in this game, and uh, he, he's just involved anywhere. 15, 20 touches, catches, passes, breaks big plays. The offense is much more prolific. So I like Xavier Jones a lot. Nothing really not to like about him. Um, we know the storyline with the other part of the offense, which is Reggie Roberson. The injury to him about a month ago has um, increased the ceilings for Kylan Granson at tight end and Rasheed Rice at receiver. Those have been the guys who have benefited the most. Now, Reggie Roberson is questionable heading into this game. So you're going to want to check that because that's going to play a big factor in you know, how, you, how you deal with all those guys, how you deal with Granton, Rice, and Roberson. Without question, though, uh, Proche, Buscelli, and Jones, uh, I don't think they'll be affected at all. And you can count on them to justify their prices and maybe even outperform them. So, um, yeah, pay attention to Reggie Roberson. And I think if he does play, the only thing is, okay, What's his workload going to be? That's just going to be a really risky situation. It'll be a lot more clear if he doesn't. But, hey, uh, it's up to him. He's had a really productive year. And if he does play, has a pretty nice price at this point because um, no one's been paying attention to him because he's been injured. So could be a sneaky play there. Uh, but check back for the game, of course. Let's move on and talk about FAU. Uh, if you read my write-up on fake picks, and a little short write-up this week. Uh, in addition to this preview... So I'm back in both ways, audio and in print. B.J. Emmons was a guy I really liked uh, at running back for FAU. Now, back at the beginning of the season, this was a guy that was supposed to be kind of their workhorse guy at the position. It was a former Bama recruit that Kiffin kind of took over when he left there and came here. He took Emmons from them. Um, so he was a big recruit for Bama, a lot of talent. So he got hurt in their first game against Ohio State this year, kind of uh, just kind of making it a tough year for him. He just came back a few months ago, sorry, about a month ago from an injury and has five touchdowns in the last three games. So he's been playing really well. Um, it's kind of a crowded backfield, but I think he's safe for probably 12, 13 carries. Um, and I, I like him at 4,600 a lot at the running back position for some value there. So um, the other guy in that, Offense is Harrison Bryant. 
he's maybe one of the top floor price guys at receiver, he, even though he's a tight end technically, uh, at receiver on DK. He uh, is c consistently outperforming his price um, all the time, and I think 6,000 for him is still uh, tons of value there in this type of matchup. However, that's the one thing we're gonna have to monitor Saturday morning, maybe the biggest factor for this slate because it impacts his game is the Boca Raton weather forecast is a lot of rain and windy. So that is going to be a major factor and it's something we're going to want to look at Saturday morning um, and make a decision accordingly. So um, something to be aware of, consider it, and we'll just have to wait till Saturday morning to get a more clear picture of what it looks like and how that may or may not affect the game. So let's move on to the Camellia Bowl. Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> um, it's at 5.30. And it is Arkansas State versus FIU, Florida International. Um, Arkansas State is minus 2.5, over-under of 61. So another nice projection here for game flow. Also a little shaky weather there, actually. Uh, look at Montgomery, Alabama. It's the home of Alabama State, I believe. So... Um, be sure to check their forecast as well. But I, last time I looked, it was a little maybe, maybe a little rain in the forecast there. So we'll have to check back and see there again Saturday morning. A guy I mentioned, kind of like Emmons for FAU, is Tony Gator, the fourth at receiver for FIU at 4,600. This guy's been coming on strong as of late. His last three games to finish the year, seven for 94, 682 one, nine, 1, 0, 7, 1. I did a little bit of reading about him. Um, talked about you know this offseason how he had uh, worked out a lot more a lot more diet he cut ice cream out of his diet and he's a speed guy he got his 40 down from a 4.6 to a 4.5 and he was talking about how he wanted to get it down to a 4.4 for the NFL combine and I'm like alright so this guy he's really trending in uh, the right direction to finish this year and finishing really strong so I love him at 4,600. I think he's a little bit mispriced, a little bit under the radar for DK. Um, and then in that offense as well, or in, I guess in a general sense, that offense is a little bit underpriced. And I think mostly for James Captain Morgan, I believe that really is his nickname, uh, at quarterback for FIU. Great matchup here to be very productive going against a Red Wolves defense that allows an average in yards and points of 480 and 35 on average. So, I mean, this team is just trying to score out everyone they play. That's kind of how they've played um, since, I forget the co head coach's name, but that's how they play since he's been there. Of course, this is led by their, their offensive attack, led by um, Omar Bayless. He's their stud, kind of like the Liberty guy. Um, as his price reflects, it's 8,100. Second command for wide receivers is Kirk Merritt, 7,200. Those are the obvious straightforward guys. There's nothing to really talk about with them other than, yeah, they're really good. They're in a good spot to be really productive. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and I think the big thing about this game, um, other than the FIU um, being just a very affordable investment to outperform their, private, outperform their prices, um, if the Boca Raton weather looks very unfavorable, I think this definitely is the game to pivot to for uh, DFS purposes and to really emphasize. So uh, just some good prices 
good upside all over the place in the, in the right game script that we all love. So uh, let's get to the last two games. In the next one, 7.30, it's the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. And it is Washington versus Boise State. Two teams that I think everyone has probably heard of. Awesome. So uh, Washington is minus 3.5, over under 49.5. And, and not a great game projection um, in general. I, I think for Boise, um, I've talked about George Holani now a couple times, and I, I want him to be good. 6K, I think he's a good price, but every time I try to play the guy in much more favorable matchups, uh, just has not um, not come up very well. Not, not that he's, he gets the workload, which is what I'm really looking for, but just hasn't gotten the production, hasn't gotten the touchdowns. So um, just been kind of a bust there when I've played in the last couple times. But um, still has a nice uh, role there. I don't know at his price. I think I can find uh, better options, which I kind of have already uh, alluded to there with a guy like BJ Emmons. So um, the big story in this game is Hunter Bryant, the big tight end, is sitting out and focusing on the NFL draft. Cade Otten would likely be the most logical candidate to benefit. He's like kind of the 1A, 1B tight end to Hunter Bryant. He's already third on the team in catches and yards behind Bryant and Aaron Fuller. So already has a, a solidified role in the offense. So um, he has the trust of Jacob Eason. So that would lean me towards him maybe seeing an uptick in value, but he's still 4,600. So it's not like he's, you know, you're finding this, uh, you know, diamond in the rough that's 3,500 or anything, or you can make a speculative play. So I would rather, like, if you're asking me, hey, Kate Otten or Tony Gator, I'd, I'd rather go Tony uh, Gator, the guy I talked about for FIU at the same price. Um, and in general, this game, it doesn't have a, a, a maybe as favorable a script as we talked about with those other two games we went through, so um, I'm not really huge in this game. The Washington backfield has been kind of a mess, even though I like Selvin and Mott a lot. Their their workload has been all over the place, and it's hard to um, project there. Um, and boys, we know kind of the hierarchy with the receivers. It's it's Hightower, Khalil, and then C.T. Thomas, uh, all of whom I think are in a fine spot to have productive games. I think from a price standpoint, C.T. Thomas is the best value, certainly. Um, Hightower is the highest upside guy. So, um, but again, this might just be a, this might be a tough game, tough matchup. So um, I don't have a whole lot to say there. I think the big note is Hunter Bryant sitting out and to keep an eye on that. Um, all right, let's get to the final game. It's the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Uh, played uh, in the Superdome where the Saints play, and it is Appalachian State versus UAB. The Vegas uh, projection is App State minus 16.5, over under 47.5. That can tell you only one thing. We are out on UAB. We're not playing anybody. Um, I, I looked at him, guys. I try to talk myself into like, okay, well, this or that. You know what? It's just it's not worth it. There, There is no one who consistently just has highly productive days for receiver, running back. You know, the receivers are getting, you know, their best days are like four or five catches here and there. And you just, it's just not a good football team. They, they lost that conference championship game to Florida Atlantic 49-6. So I'm not sure what that means <laughs> about the uh, Conference USA or whatever. So 
All right. So the thing is, uh, we got that we're out there. App State. Uh, last time out with them, I kind of uh, went out on. Well, I said whoever they were playing, I was out on, but they ended up scoring like 40 points in their conference championship game. It didn't work out very well, but uh, the obvious ones: Darrington Evans. Okay, all day running back, 7,400. I definitely would take him over the Wesley Kennedy uh, for Georgia Southern, like we talked about earlier. And um, another guy who looked really good, if you're kind of looking at this from a game flow standpoint, you say, well, maybe this gets out of hand or something. Um, Dietrich Harrington was coming back from an injury as the backup running back to Darrington Evans. He looked really nice in the return and was, was productive in that game uh, a few weeks ago. And the CFB DFS Martini uh, cocktail that I like to talk about, Thomas Hennigan. He, at receiver for App State, um, was the guy to really fill the shoes of, I forget the guy's name, I think it was Sutton, Corey Sutton, I believe it was, who got hurt. He's the guy who stepped into that role, had a big game um, right after the injury, and then in that championship game, it got out of hand so quickly, um, he ended with having a a four-catch, 50-yard game. And really, that was in the first few drives. So... um, I still think if, if UAB can kind of just keep this interesting for maybe two and a half quarters, that Hannigan has a chance to really uh, have another big day. When, when they're throwing the ball, he is the clear top option with Sutton out of there. Um, and he's the guy who's going to get a large part of the volume in that passing game. So uh, Jalen Virgil also continues to be kind of the deep threat, I think, at 4,200. He caught a big touchdown pass the first game with Sutton out. And again, he was a guy, kind of a game flow victim in their championship game. It just got so out of hand so fast, they just didn't need to pass at all. Um, but I like I like him at his price. He'd catch a bomb there anytime, and they also kind of like to use him on reverses and stuff and gimmick plays, so um, there's some value there. So that is it. That is the board. You know my thoughts. And here is kind of the itinerary for Saturday in the order of operations. Number one, you got to check the weather. Check the weather in Montgomery. Check the weather in Boca Raton. Uh, and then we got to act accordingly. You know, see even how bad it is. What do we do? Two, try to Google some previews to confirm you aren't missing anything on players sitting out. Like a Hunter Bryant for Washington. Just maybe take a quick preview. I think mostly today and Friday, they're going to start dropping even for these smaller games. So if you can leave even get just a little bit of insight uh, into maybe what coaches are saying about certain players or something, it can be a little beneficial sometimes. So uh, do that, a little Googling, and then, um, yeah, let's go into the lineup foundation for myself. Uh, this is going to be awesome. I look at this yet or today, and I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be amazing. Uh, all right, if I start off my lineup with four guys, Four guys I started with in every lineup. It is James Morgan at quarterback. In a running back position, B.J. Emmons. In a wide receiver spot, Tony Gator the fourth for FIU. In the other way, uh, wide receiver spot, Noah Frith for Liberty. If I do that as my foundation, my remaining price per player is seventy nine hundred. Do anything you want from there. So I, I, I build it that way. Um, that's how I'm doing it. I will let you take it from there. I will be back next week for the CFB uh, playoff edition. Even though it's a smaller board, still I think there's a. They've already had that contest out, and I have 
certainly thoughts and opinions to share. So I'll be back for that. And we're also, in addition to that, uh, you know, I bring the doctor in here. We do the ATS picks for the NFL. We're going to do um, all the notable bowl games uh, against the spread gambling picks there. So I think there's about 13 or 14. Hey, I was I was 55% on the regular season. Not bad. You know, maybe, maybe I know what I'm doing. Uh, certainly not the same, I could say, for the NFL. That is not 55%. So, uh, but we're going to get there now. I was 4-1 last week. So maybe, maybe that, you know, I just had to get 15 weeks out of my system. Or no, 14 weeks. Yeah. That was, it just took 14 weeks and now I'm back. So, all right, that's it. Uh, I encourage you to stick around for the NFL segment with the doctor and the ATS gambling picks. We try to do a lot of good insight, discussion around the league, and uh, just try to hit everything from every angle. That will start now. No, it won't. Uh, this just it. Breaking news on the SRS pod. I'm kind of putting this together on Friday evening and update to the Florida Atlantic Bowl game that uh, was heavily discussed there as a big factor in this slate tomorrow. All kinds of guys now out for this game. Harrison Bryant sitting out. Tavares Harrison. D'Angelo Antoine at wide receiver. They're, they're three top pass catchers on the team out. Running back Malcolm Davidson out now too. Um... Some of these reasons are undisclosed. Some of them for um, suspensions due to some academic issues. So um, it's just kind of coming up now. And I think we have to go, okay, what does it mean? And I guess for me, uh, it means, I think normally I might say just like stay away from this, but still expect to be a fair amount of points here. And I want to bring that up too first. This line has jumped. It is now up to eight for SMU, uh, minus the eight in the over-under. They've chopped off six points now. It's down to around 64 from where it was around 70. So um, Vegas has adjusted uh, pretty significantly. I think it's uh, very reasonable to do so. So we might want to dumb down our expectations on the FAU side. That said, I think uh, it makes Emmons an auto play now with Davidson out of there. And I already thought... Emmons was in for a uh, nice workload as it was. Now he seems like the, cla- the path is fully cleared for him. I think we'll to have a, a really nice productive day there. So, um, and then, okay, so what is it at receiver? I think the most reasonable, logical uh, ways to, to lean here are um, John Mitchell uh, was the guy. I was just looking up his numbers a bit and he early on in the season had um, a nice he was getting some nice production his playing time just kind of tailed off but he was the guy early on in the year where um, if you look at the game logs he was having the more productive days uh, and was just in that rotation heavier but proved that he could have um, high statistical outputs when given the opportunity so John Mitchell would be my uh, first pivot at 4,900. So there's some nice value there, but I think this might be the return of my Willie Wright, who was a guy I talked about early on in the season, and his playing time dwindled off big time. 
and just he kind of fell out of the rotation, wasn't in there. But um, going back to last season, he was one of the main cogs in the wheel there in his passing game. I think he might have been one of their passing leaders um, at receiver. I should say one of their receiving leaders. And I'm just looking up his game log now, and yeah, he was just kind of a slot guy who could get you. He's that he's a smaller, shiftier type slot guy with some good speed, and he can get you, you know, four or five, six catches. Um, he was doing that pretty consistently last season. So um, he's at 3,700, I think. Let me just double check here. I'm, I'm doing this on the fly here, so uh, bear with me. Um, yeah, he's at 3,700. So. I'm going to have to really uh, wrestle in my own mind with Willie Wright or Noah Frith. That's going to be an amazing decision process tomorrow. So, um, yeah, something to be aware of. The weather has started to look a little bit nicer uh, for the forecast. So, um, yeah, definitely pile on SMU now. Wow. Uh, So just some big news there. Want to get that out of the way, and we'll head to the NFL segment now. It is NFL Week 16. Uh, we are here. I'm with the doctor, as always. Doctor, um, we're here for the second time. How, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, you know, a little disappointed to be back, but uh, the things happen, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna we're gonna grind through for the for the listeners, and uh, you know, yeah. hopefully we can still still put together a good good product here. Yeah, so just for clarification for the audience, uh, we actually recorded this whole thing earlier in the week, and then uh, when I went to upload it and edit it, uh, to my just horror, uh, I realized I never, I missed that step where you hit the record button on the conversation, and uh, therefore there was no conversation. So um, for that reason, we're going to kind of rip through these maybe a little quicker uh, and you know, skip some of the banter just because uh, the organic reaction just won't be there. So when I say funny things like, you know, Baker or Duck Hodges, you know, it's not going to be. Thank maybe. You. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's just get through this. We'll start off with the records. Um, last week I was four and one of the power five, bringing me to 30, 43 and two on the year. S- still uh, not very good at all. Uh, seven, seven and one, 95, 109 and six overall on the year. Uh, our, our, Saving Grace, last person to celebrate. You were three and two last week in the Power Five, bringing you to 34, 37, and four, eight, six, and one overall, 99, 105, and six on the season. Still got a shot at that above 500 record. Um, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I think I think we've got a uh, two big weeks ahead of us, and we got to make something happen. We got to get the 500 mark. Yeah, um, we're you know our. Oh, go ahead. No, see, now we're picking two. We're picking all 16 games. So we have 32 games left, uh, 10 Power 5 selections. So <laughs> Let's do it. This is a big week. we got Saturday football in front of us, which is fun. And uh, as we discussed a little on the first go-around, we have this great um, week where fantasy commissioners are likely gambling to chase the fantasy funds that they have to disperse here in the next two weeks. You, you can include me on that. I am one of them. So... Uh, <laughs> And I am in the championship. So last week, overall trends in the NFL, uh, favorites were 9-6-1. and one. They are overall 94-123-6 and six on the season. Home road, home teams were 7-8-1 last week, bringing them to 92-123-6 and six on the year. 
home favorites, five and four, bringing them to 51, 85 and five. Still way behind in home dogs, two, four and one, 37, 40 and one overall. Substantial favorites, which we consider to be seven or greater. They were four and one last week, bringing them to 24, 32 and two on the year. And then uh, one outright loss from one of those substantial favorites was the Niners and kind of a shocker. Uh, and that brings the total to 12 outright losses of favorites by seven or greater on the year. This week, home favorites are nine. We have home dogs. Are, there are six of them in one pick them. That is just a disgusting game we will get to. And there are six favorites uh, of seven or greater. And we start with the three Saturday games. Um, and I've kind of talked about this week being kind of guessing which teams are going to stay professional because we have so many games that are kind of nothing to play for it's just that week late season the weeks where uh teams have nothing to play for. so you're kind of guessing okay which teams are going to keep it together and just you know still uh play to win these games there's some guessing but we also have some uh some statistics to help in a few of those games and uh as you know i'll share that as we move along but um definitely some some garbage ones out there um but we've got a a good stat we'll throw in there yeah, you you got you got a hot hot stat. So uh, fire. All right, let's start in Tampa with uh, our favorite guy, Jameis. He is uh, taking on the Houston Texans. Tampa seven seven. Houston nine and five. Uh, both teams still playing for something. You know, Tampa still has a winning record. I think I don't. Are they eliminated from playoff contention? I think they are. They are. They are. Okay, um, but you know, still want to play for a winning record. I mean, I, I think that's something. Houston has a lot of stuff on the line. Seating. Uh, potentially um, home field, all kinds of stuff for them in the mix. They actually, at this point, I think they could they could get a buy still. They could, I think, miss the playoffs altogether as well. That's possible. So um, kind of an interesting spot for the medium. Houston is minus three. Um, I'll let you start off here. Yeah, I think uh, an interesting thing in play here is will Crab Legs lead the league in – touchdowns and interceptions uh the last quarterback to do that was drew Brees, 2012 with 43 touchdowns and 19 interceptions um that's a super bowl uh winning and mvp quarterback drew Brees. i'm thinking crab legs can do that this year uh and position himself to to do that in the future super bowl champion and mvp that that would be fun but <laughs> he's uh he's three behind lamar in TD uh passes and if lamar uh doesn't play week 17 he's got a good chance to do that but as far as this game goes i think you said it. both teams playing pretty well um houston's definitely playing for something um tampa bay is kind of playing just to maybe finish the the season over 500 i think it'll be an entertaining game um but i i can't see crab legs uh winning this one when houston needs to clinch a playoff spot so tampa bay is 0-5-1 against the spread uh, at home this season so i'm going houston minus three in this one okay and yeah i think just some notable injuries to mention too uh, now Evans out. Godwin also ruled out for Tampa. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's tough without those two huge playmakers for Crab Legs. However, I, the way I looked at this game is I kind of looked last time uh, Houston won a really had a really big win and how they responded coming off that, and it was um, beating the Patriots on Sunday night in front of America and then coming home against a Denver team that's just not a good team uh, and got their ass kicked. And it's just, it's that Bill O'Brien special. And I just don't know if I can trust him. So I'm actually going to uh, stay with the points here and take Tampa plus the three points. But like you said, I think it should be a, an entertaining game uh, nonetheless. 
Let's get to the afternoon game. It is New England Patriots minus six and a half. They're eleven and three, taking on the Bills at ten and four. Uh, there's a potential. This uh, could be an AFC title game here. I mean, the Bills actually could possibly win this division. Last time that happened was, or last time the Pats lost the division was in 08 when Brady got hurt. It was the Matt Castle year. Uh, and then that was the Chad Pennington Dolphins took that one down. So, um, yeah, I think um, I've talked about kind of the New England offense being an issue over the last few weeks. Like, um, it, for all kinds of different reasons. I don't think it's necessarily Brady. I don't want to get in this whole Brady debate. Um, but uh, I, I I think this is just a game where it's kind of a race to 20. Uh, it's two very defensive-minded teams. That's how they win. Um, so it's, you know, if you think it's going to be like a one-score game, 20 to 16, you know, 16 to 10, whatever. Uh, I like points in that. I feel obligated to take six and a half no matter who I'm getting them from. So I'm on the Bills plus six and a half. I'll let you respond to that. Yeah, I mean, technically, it's possible that Buffalo could win the division. It's also possible that you or I could win the lottery tonight. Uh, <laughs> but it's not likely. Uh, look, different week, same thing for me. You know my take. It, it's New England until they tell you it's not. Uh, they're in Foxborough. I'm certainly not signing up to take a, a Buffalo team that I think its record is better than a, a team really is. So, as usual, I'm on New England, minus six and a half. Okay, just because I do the work and uh, I, I love these divisional matchups, I'm just going to mention this. Uh, Brady, as a starter for New England at home against the Bills in his career, 15-0, a margin of approximately 14 points on average. So, uh, yeah, it would be uh, – seeing that would be quite a shock if they were actually to lose outright. But uh, we will see. Let's get to the evening prime time game. If I've gotten one thing right, I'll eat a doctor – it's been these Rams being the Lambs. Uh, again, last week, they played someone halfway decent, and uh, they just looked terrible. So um, I don't have a, a lot to add on to that. I've been saying it all year. There's no, no need for me to repeat myself about it. Um, I think the Rams are done, and I've already been on San Francisco a lot. So I'm San Francisco minus the six and a half points here. Uh, they still have a ton to play for. I expect them to bounce back and respond well, so I'll let you go there. Yeah, you're, you're right. The Lambs have been um, consistently inconsistent this year. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But they have had some good games throughout that stretch. It's kind of good, bad, bad, good, bad, bad, good. Um, I'm looking for them to kind of bounce back this week, um, even though they looked as bad as they did against Dallas. You know, San Francisco has shown some vulnerability over the past few weeks that I think is, is interesting. And... Look, if you look at statistics, football statistics in this game, there's not a case for for the Lambs. But um, like I said, I think San Francisco's been vulnerable. If you look at some ATS stats for this week, the Rams are still seven and two against the spread on the road this year. Um, they're five and one after uh, a loss and five and zero oh after not covering. So I'm going with those trends, and I'm taking the taking the Lambs uh, plus six and a half. Yeah, and kind of like you mentioned, uh, I, I don't think anyone looks at this game. Like, if you're taking calls this week on games, I don't – who's calling in the Lambs? Like, I, I just – what I'm saying, I just – I feel like like I'm throwing San Francisco. They're getting – everyone's teasing them with something, which we have a few yeah. candidates coming up. So, I I, I, I get it, uh, but I'm going to stick with uh, San Fran here. So, uh, that gets out of Sunday – or Saturday. Let's get into Sunday starting with uh, 1 p.m. We have Atlanta at 5-9 at home, uh, playing fairly well. They're minus seven points to 
Jacksonville, who's five and nine, um, and they just won I, I, the game against the Raiders. Uh, won that game, which was was a ridiculous uh, game, and, and for so many reasons. Um, but they were still down sixteen to six in that game, uh, heading into the fourth quarter. So I, I don't know. It was just more of who fell apart uh, more at the end, and it was uh, the Ra- well, my Raiders. So. Um, and then also this week we see uh, Jacksonville now kind of cleaning house, and it looks to be uh, just uh, entire uh, coaching staff, front office whole thing, starting with Tom Coughlin. So we'll see how that goes in the offseason. Also, Doctor, have you like heard any of these stories coming out of Jacksonville how, about Tom Coughlin just being kind of a maniac? I did. I heard something on, a, on another podcast where I think like – 25% of the player grievances come out against the league come out of Jacksonville. That's so bizarre. I think, that, I think it directly relates to him. I mean, it's bizarre and it isn't bizarre based on his personality. I mean, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I was, just, I, I heard that. And I felt like, wow. Okay. Uh, that, that, that's odd. But, um, all right, look, I'll, I'll just say this is kind of like even the lambs we just talked about. I don't know based on how these teams have been playing over the last month, you know, Atlanta has won four of their last six, two over the best two teams in the NFL, arguably on the road with the 49ers and the saints. Uh, so, um, I'm going to go the other way and take Jacksonville. Uh, I think this is a lot of games too, or a lot of a game two where you get a lot of calls for that teaser Atlanta down to one. So I'll let you respond to that. Yeah, Bob, I think that's a, a, a good pick. And as we discussed, last night in a discussion that never really happened this is the start of a trend i will be using this week calling it the week 16 loserville special so that is when you have a matchup between two teams in loserville those are teams that are guaranteed a losing record so something worse than eight and eight eight and eight is not included in the in the loserville special you take the points in week 16. so here we have two teams that have um they're guaranteed losing records for the year you're going to take jacksonville plus seven because since 2000 teams uh matching up that are both in loserville the team getting the points are 54 26 and four against the spread that's a 68 percent win rate doesn't get much better than that so again you'll hear this throughout when you have two teams guaranteed a losing record you take the teams that's getting the points uh, in week 16. Also in this one, you throw in, uh, since 2016, Atlanta is 0-11 against the spread against AFC opponents. And since 2013, they're 5-23 against the spread uh, versus AFC opponents. So, like your pick, Jacksonville plus 7. That is some molten lava uh, ATS trend stats there. Amazing. 68% win rate. Nobody's doing that. Yeah. No. I, okay. That's that's good. Uh, it's good info for what's coming up later too. So uh, let's head to Cleveland, and I ca- I kind of started this off uh, before when we talked and the discussion that would happen, and I just said, uh, all right, you're starting a franchise next year, Baker or Bridgewater. <laughs> Baker. Baker or Eli. Well, Baker. Baker or Goff? Like, Goff. <laughs> okay. There you go. All right. Um, Cleveland is 6-8. and eight. They are getting a whopping 10 points at home from uh, the Super Bowl favorite, Baltimore Ravens, who are 12-2, who they actually uh, handed their worst loss to um, 
the Browns did earlier this year, 40-25. It seems like a lifetime ago now. And uh, all right, look, uh, as I said before, and I'm going to repeat myself, I think this is uh, Cleveland, I think kind of their last home game for this year and what's been a complete disaster and what culminated last year with just a debacle of a game in the desert, uh, which you'll hear on the open, I think you'll like. And uh, it's kind of their Super Bowl here for the Browns. Um, and I think they kind of like being counted out and everyone kind of piling on them. So uh, I'm going to take them to at least play well enough here where they can cover the 10 points. I don't think they have a chance to win the game, but I'll, I'll take the 10, Cleveland plus 10. Yeah, we got more agreement here. Look, there's there's certainly no football case for, for Cleveland statistically. This would not look good in any metric you put up there. Uh, I still don't know how they forced three turnovers and won that uh, first game against the Ravens, uh, but they got it done. And I'm with you here. I'm Look, the Browns are still mathematically in the playoff hunt. After last week, it's a debacle. Expect them to rally a little bit. Um, I'm basing this on them still being professionals, which – you know, might be a reach in saying that, whatever, but rallying around this cause and getting 10 points. So motivated, motivated, motivated. Yes. Interested. I don't know what it is, but let's go, uh, let's go Cleveland uh, plus 10. Yeah. Okay. Uh, kitchens or Patricia? Kitchens. <laughs> okay. We're, we're bringing them back, baby. All right. Uh, New Orleans. And Patricia's is, back. Yeah, they're back. Uh, New Orleans is headed to Tennessee after uh, their big win on Monday night where they destroyed the Colts. And Tennessee is 8-6, and six, coming off um, tough loss in their uh, divisional battle to Houston. New Orleans 11-3. and three. New Orleans is minus three, I think, as I already said. So uh, I'll let you start this one off. Yeah, look, you got two, two of the hottest teams in the NFL with two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Breeze and Tannehill have the best passer rating and completion percentage in the NFL. That's crazy to say. Uh, <laughs> it is. Freeze and Tannehill for a while. Anyway, <laughs> um, you mentioned you know Tennessee's coming off that fluky loss last week. Other than that, they've been they've been outstanding. Um, as has New Orleans, but I think the edge I'm finding here is uh, you know San Francisco ran all over New Orleans two weeks ago, 162 yards and 6.8 yards per carry. Uh, Tennessee over its last six games has been averaging 185 yards per game and over six yards per carry. Uh, which would be second and first in the league, respectively. So I'm thinking Tennessee has the ability to to run the ball here. Um, also, they're averaging uh, 31.4 points per game with Tannehill and holding uh, four straight opponents to under 24. So uh, they have the ability to score and, I think, slow New Orleans down. Plus, Breeze has been playing at such a high level the last two weeks. Can you really keep that up? And you may have some comments on this. They're, moving, they're outdoors this week. <laughs> <laughs> so that may impact Breeze. It may. Anyway, I'm not on Titans here, which is probably a little surprising. Titans uh, plus three here. Okay. No, and I, I can see a perfectly, you know, you can draw up a case for both sides here. I'm not going to destroy either one. Um, I, I, I'm perfectly fine either way. But I, I like you said, I, this time of year, someone always floats these numbers out or some sort of trend about Drew Breeze outside in December and January and how he – they, they just they all of a sudden forget how to play football. I did a quick, just high-level overview of his games in December that are outside in his career with the Saints, and he's 10-8 and eight overall. Um, so it's it's is it great? No, but there's still a winning record. It's not like they all of a sudden just can't win anymore in December. It's, it's just kind of silly. I, I, I think people just throw it out there because of the dome uh, kind of bias that, 
oh, they can't play outdoors. And no, they, they're fine. They, they play good. Sometimes they don't play good. Whatever. Um, I, I don't think there's a whole lot to it. But anyway, um, I'm going to stick with New Orleans minus the three points. Uh, just I think they still need this game for a lot of reasons. Home field, all the sifts and the seating and everything. So New Orleans minus three is my pick. And that gets us to Indy, the Colts, the team that they destroyed on that game on Monday night. They're minus seven at home against Carolina, who is five and nine. Um, and I'll just start off by saying Brissett or Baker. Brissett. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Brissett or, or Will Greer? <laughs> well, we'll find out on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So, look, I don't think there's much to say here. I think, again, this is one of these games where you're kind of guessing. Uh, but seasons are over here. Right? I think the Colts are eliminated from playoff contention, I think. But either way, they're not making the playoffs. So um, they're 6-8. and eight. You're kind of guessing who's going to, you know, kind of keep it together here professionally. Um, I need Christian McCaffrey for fantasy purposes, and I think he wants to break uh, that scrimmage yards record. So uh, he needs, I think, around 400 to get it. So I'm on Carolina plus the seven points. I'll let you respond. Yep. Um, Indy is eliminated from the playoff contention. And this is uh, close, but is not a Week 16 Loserville special because the Colts could technically still go 500. Either way, though, you've got two very bad teams. Between the two of them, they haven't. Uh, the last win came before Thanksgiving. Um, you mentioned Will Greer, so I don't think we're going to be able to count um, too much on the Carolina passing game here. So you can kind of rule that out. Um, on the other side of the ball, the Panthers have the worst run D in the NFL, and they're facing a top 10 on offense in Indy, so that doesn't um, go well, look good for them. Uh, also, so what the Panthers do do well is uh, they sack the quarterback, they're tied for first in the league with 49, and sixth in the league in forcing picks with 14. But those are also Indianapolis' strong areas. Indy's tied for eighth, only giving up 26 sacks. And tied for 12th, only throwing 10 picks. And Hoyer is responsible for four of those. Obviously, he's not playing this week. So I, I don't see um, you know, Carolina having any real advantage in this game. Um, I see the Colts being able to run and take care of the ball. Um, you know, Carolina may want to try and run, but India has a top 10 run defense. So I don't think anything looks good for Carolina here or your boy McCaffrey for your fantasy purposes. I'm going Indy minus seven. Okay, you know what the Panthers do do well? They have Christian McCaffrey Please. running back. <laughs> they, they have Christian McCaffrey running. That's what they do. All right. Um, they lose. They six straight. Okay. All right. Let's go to the Joe right, Burrow Bowl right. here. The Joe Burrow Bowl. Um, it is Miami. This is the pick em on the board, which is hysterical to me. It's just Vegas kind of saying, like, perfect. hey, guys, have at it, guys. Uh, you you pick. So, so, yeah. Uh, Miami is 3 11 at home. Uh, at home to Cincinnati. Bungles here, 1 13. I'm going to pick this game. I'm working under the assumption that the Cincy Brass and front office coaching staff are not complete idiots. Cincy cannot win any games um, in a, you know, ruin their chances of getting Joe Burrow at number one. So uh, I, I'm going to pick Miami here to win the game. I'll let you respond to that. Okay. So this is the second uh, Week 16 Loser Bill special matchup here. Uh, what's interesting about this one is a pick. So... So what do you do in this uh, in this scenario? Um, some might say take the home team. Uh, that's not my play. My play is to look at the original line, uh, and if it hasn't flipped 
to the other side yet, you take the team that originally is getting the points. So in this case, that was Cincinnati. So for our show, uh, I'm taking Cincinnati as a pick. I would say if it flips to Miami by Sunday, you might want to jump on Miami uh, for that week 16 Loserville special trend. So Bengals pick. All right. Uh, let's get to another uh, fantastic one o'clock game. The Jets at home at five and nine have the Steelers coming in at eight and six, coming off of a rough Sunday night loss, uh, mostly rough for Duck Hodges. Pittsburgh is minus three. And I'll ask Duck or Trubisky? Trubisky. Okay. I, I really <laughs> don't even stops. know. It never <laughs> I don't, stops. Neither. I don't know. Coin toss. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, magic, I don't even know. Magic eight ball. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so, so, uh, yeah, look, I, I kind of uh, it's, it's one's kind of simple. I mean, Pitt wins games, win or lose, right? Ten and fourteen, their ten of their fourteen games uh, have been one score, and they just kind of are a very defensive team. They're kind of like the Bills or the Patriots. Uh, they're kind of a race of twenty in all their games. So um, I, I don't know if three's enough here with the Jets. They probably want a little bit more, but I'm gonna uh, take the points here and think that maybe uh, this could very well be another Duck special. Um, and also, Jamal Adams looks like he's back. Stud safety for the Jets. He's been out the last two games. He is one and a half sacks away from the NFL record for a defensive back. Um, and he was asked about this. His quote said, I'm not going to tie. I'm going to break it, no doubt. And I think... Is that a gu- guaranteed right there? A guaranteed. I, that is by Jamal. And I think... Uh, I think Duck is a great candidate to uh, back that up for him. So uh, I'm going to go with the Jets plus three points. I'll let you pick. Yeah, look, this is basically a must win for, for Pittsburgh. Um, they're coming off a loss last week, and they've got Baltimore week 17. So Baltimore is still playing for a seed or home field advantage. That's going to be a that's going to be a tough game. So Pitt's got a lot a lot a lot on the line here. Um, they are eight and one against teams that are out of playoff contention, like the Jets are. The Jets are one in four against playoff teams. Only win against Dallas, which may not end up being in the playoffs after this week. Uh, so advantage Pitt there. Uh, Pitt D ranks seventh in scoring, fourth in total D, and third in opponents yards per play. So uh, the Jets put up 34 in three straight games not too long ago. That came against uh, three defenses that all rank in the bottom third in points allowed. When they played, let's call it similar defenses against Buffalo, New England, uh, they scored just a combined 16 points in those two games. So I don't see the Jets scoring more than kind of low mid-teens. And Pitt has scored 17 or more in 10 of their 14 games this year. So uh, I'm on Pitt minus three. And finally, Pitt is also 3-0-1 against the spread when they are favored over a team with a losing record. So Steelers get it done this week and cement their way into the playoffs. All right. Um, let's head to the nation's capital where the most ridiculous thing last week was not our political system. It actually was what happened on the football field with that cover. Uh, oh, that was special. That just, was special. Just unbelievable uh, that, that that cover by the Eagles. You had If you had the Atlanta and San Francisco under and – and this, and you had the uh, the Redskins. You you have to quit. You, you stop, might right. You might want to not go outside for a couple of days. I mean, you, you, you might want to not not don't start a car. Don't do anything. Um, yeah. So yeah. So all right, we have uh, the Giants 
at Washington. Both are three and eleven. Washington is minus two and a half. Um, we, I, th- I, I believe Danny Dimes is trending as a starter, but that's not confirmed. Right? Not sure. So um, it sounds like he's a go. Okay. So either way, um, I, I know the Skins are playing better. We talked about this last week, but. They still allowed that Eagles team to get 415 yards of offense who have nobody at wide receiver. Um, it's really, you know, outside of Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz, there's just no no threats on that offense. So that's pretty amazing to allow all that to them. And uh, also kind of an injury note, uh, looked at the injury report yesterday and there was a guy, that uh, beat reporter, that said the Redskins secondary might be completely new. All four new starters uh, this week based on the injuries they currently have. So uh, Eli or Dimes, uh, I'm on the Giants plus two and a half here. Yeah, I think that's right. It's, it's disappointing we don't get another another game with Eli. He was, uh, he was special last week with vintage Eli. <laughs> 20, 28, 283, two TDs and three picks. So Eli. So a little disappointing there. But look, this is the third Week 16 loser bill special here. Uh, both teams are three and 11. I gave the stat out earlier: 68% win rate. You're going. You're going to take the points in these games. It's the Giants plus two and a half. Yeah, and at least I mean, not good teams either way. Both of them, but at least the Giants just have their starters. You know, they have Sterling Shepard's out uh, back now. Um, Darius Slayton's been really nice, and they got Saquon. Like they have, like. NFL caliber players, so yeah, I'm just gonna go with the Giants here. Um, and that brings us to 4 p.m. and we're gonna start yeah. with our Lions. And uh, as I mentioned, as I mentioned before, Quinn Trisha is back. Um, back. They announced this week uh, that you know uh, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia are going to be retained for a third season uh, next year because they've done so well in the first two years. Um, so. Uh, you can any thoughts on that or you know anything whatever? Yeah, I'm I'm good with it. Like, look, they haven't been successful, but if, if people believe in Stafford, uh, we got to stop turning it over so much for him. The coaching staff that is not necessarily the football, although he does that too. Um, and and give him a chance. Uh, I'm not sold that this is the solution with Stafford at quarterback, but it's where we're at. So let's see how the next couple of years play out. Yeah, can't wait. Um, all right. So uh, after that, I would just like to say to you, um, could you, can you make the case? Uh, it's Denver minus seven <laughs> against the Lions. Uh, is there a case for Detroit in this game? Can you make one? No, there, there's not. I cannot. Um, this is the fourth week 16 Loserville special, which means you should take the Lions and the points based on the sure. statistic. But in this case, I know and I've seen too much. Uh, the win rate of that stat is 68%. So there's a 32% lose rate. That's the Lions. So this is this is the one game you're going to go the opposite way of the trend. Um, and you're going to take Denver minus seven. Look, Denver had a tough game last week, the snow game against Kansas City. But prior to that, they were building with Locke. They had two good games. Um, you know, They're trying to build with future pieces in Locke and what's around it. The Lions aren't doing that. Stafford's not playing. There's really just nothing to play for. There's no pieces. So as soon as the Lions go down, which they will, um, that pathetic defense is going to get carved, uh, and Denver's going to beat them by way more than seven points. Yeah, I, I'm on Denver minus seven too. I, it, Lions buck all the trends no matter what. They're the exception to all the rules. <laughs> um, 
and, they, and if you can make a case for like anyone actually looks like they're tanking, the Lions actually look like they're tanking. I mean, like if they talk about the players they're putting out there and all the guys they're they're IRing now, it's just like they they are men, which I think I think is the right thing to I do. Said, by the way, well, I said it a couple weeks ago. Patricia started that trend so that when he goes to the front office, he's like, "Look, guys, we had a great first five games. Look at our record; it was so good." And then we were hit by all these injuries throughout the rest of the season. Like, what do you want me to do? And he set that up by, by telling Stafford he's hurt. Uh, and then um, I'm trying to blank on the backup's name right now. I don't know why, but telling him he's hurt. David Blau? Down. No, Blau's third string, right? Oh, yeah. You know, no, I, I know it. Yeah. Driscoll. Driscoll. Sorry, Driscoll. Right. How could you put a name like that? Um, anyway, he just told them they were injured so that he had an excuse when he went to the front office. And it's playing out. It worked. It, it is perfect. Um, and what's great is now, like, they get entrusted with – it's going to be, like, a very critical offseason, actually. They're going to have a top five pick in, like, $50 million in cap space. So I'm sure they'll use that very wisely uh, to, for the long-term benefit of the franchise. So can't wait for that. Um, maybe another maybe another TJ Hawkinson pick. That would be nice. Another tight end. Um, all right. Let's get out of here and go to uh, Los Angeles, where the Chargers are at home, minus seven to my Oakland Raiders. Oakland is six and eight. Chargers are five and nine. Uh, no Josh Jacobs for Oakland here. And I think after you, see, you put that aside, say from a talent standpoint, this shouldn't really be close, but Chargers will find a way to make it close because that's just what they do. Um, so my pick is my Oakland Raiders. They need a W. They've lost four straight. So uh, I'm going to take the seven points here. I can't trust the Chargers in this spot to cover seven points. They, they, they very well could do it, but I'm not doing it. Well, you're not doing it because it's your, your Raiders, and they're still chasing seven. We're still four weeks later, or five weeks later, we're still chasing <laughs> seven. Uh, so this is another one of those games that's close to a loser real special, but it's not technically a loser real special because uh, the Raiders can still get to eight and eight. Either way, both teams have been a disaster. Raiders blowing that lead in their last game in the black hole is just completely unacceptable way the chargers look last week when they turn over like seven times completely unacceptable i was looking for an edge in this game i, I couldn't really find one so I, I came up with this uh these are your oakland raiders they're losers you're a loser they're not getting <laughs> the seven wins i'm taking the chargers minus the seven <laughs> perfect um, <laughs> all right anthony lynn or jason garrett Garrett. Okay, I, is, I think Anthony Lynn might be legitimately uh, in trouble after that performance last week. I thought, whoa. Uh, all right. That was uh, pretty troubling. So, all right. Uh, speaking of Jason Garrett, it is the NFC East title game. This is kind of the headliner uh, for the 4 p.m. games. Dallas is at Philadelphia. Dallas is minus two and a half. Both teams seven and seven. Uh, Dallas, if they win, it's wrapped up. Philly, if they win, uh, they they control their own destiny. I think is the, at the very least. So, um, what what's how are you viewing this matchup, Doctor? Yeah, this is um, I'm viewing this as I can't trust um, either one of these teams in the big picture, but I have to trust one of them this week. Um, you know, Philly avoided an embarrassing loss last week, just barely to a, to an awful team. And Dallas actually looked like a real football team that beat up on a mediocre football team, but got it done and looked good doing it. So long-term, you can't trust either one. But based on that, I'm, I'm trusting Dallas this week to, to cover the two and a half and uh, secure their playoff spot. 
Yeah, I, I think I am as well. I, you know, you laid it out pretty pretty well. I I don't know if any I don't know if either of the teams are even good, but um, Dak a little bit banged up, just a little injury note, but every all expected to play on the Philly side still though. Uh, Lane Johnson very questionable. Uh, they're all pro offensive linemen. They basically have my mom playing wide receiver right now. They have no one left. Um, so they got Greg Ward, guys off the practice squad. So I, I, I still don't think Nelson Aguilar is going to play. So they're still really uh, banged up in a lot of key spots here. And it's just a thing that's kind of – it's just kind of not correctable. And I think when they play anybody decent, it's going to it's going to be a tough putt for them. So I am going to be on Dallas minus two and a half points here to get this done and wrap up the division. The real question I think I have for you, Doctor, is how much money do we want to put on the other NFC team that they will host in the wild card weekend? Whoever wins this division, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like it's gonna be like the Niners. It's gonna be the Niners or Seattle or something like. If, I mean, a team that we view as way better than winning these teams. So it would um, be similar to when the, like the like the Lions got their way in the playoffs one year and had played Seattle and it was yeah. know, like a double digit spread and they never really had a chance to, to win the game. Um, that'll be what it's like this year. Yeah. Or the, the yeah, or the other the other New Orleans, uh, like years ago. They played uh Calvin Johnson, they went down to New Orleans and got decapitated. So um yep. Yeah, that'll be that. So uh let's get on to the final uh four PM game. It is the Cardinals of Arizona leaving the desert, heading to the rainforest to Seattle as a at 11 three sale minus nine and a half um what's your take here i like what you did there desert to rainforest very very good job thank uh, you <laughs> well hey look arizona brought the desert back last week how, how exciting was that Get, bring it back we were doubting it and they got uh, it done. that was a desert special yeah absolutely yeah it was a desert special so look they're they're they played pretty well last week and you know they're i still think although it's kind of week to week how this happens um you know they're trying to build around uh, their philosophies and um, and their quarterback, so they're still playing for something. Uh, obviously, Seattle's playing for something. Um, where I go with this one is Seattle at home this year has not been as dominant in years past. The 12th man advantage has not been great for them this season. They're four and two at home. The two losses are, are to New Orleans and Baltimore, which are fine, but the wins have come against Cincinnati, the Lambs, Crab and the Vikings, and the total margin of victory in those games, 15 points. Largest yep. for Minnesota at seven. Uh, they beat Cincinnati and the Lambs by a point and beat Crab, Legs, and OT. Um, so I'm going to go with Arizona plus the nine and a half uh, this year. The Cardinals are four, one, and one against the spread on the road this season. So give me the points. Uh, I'm with you here with some more agreement. Um, and you laid it out with kind of the – their margin of victories just being consistently small. Um, 10 of 11 of their W's have been by eight or less. So, um, and, and we know why, right? It's the defense can't protect leads. They're 27th overall in yards allowed, 29th against the pass, which is what you have to kind of stop when you're uh, trying to protect leads. And they're 21st uh, in scoring defense. So I, I just think this is a very, they're, they're a good team. That's no doubt, but very flawed and I think their long-term prognosis is kind of um, – I kind of look at them like the Packers. They're just very QB dependent, and that's not a bad thing because they have two of the best QBs in the game, no doubt. But I think it catches up with them when they're going to play some of the better teams down uh, the stretch when we get to the playoffs here. So, um, yeah, I'll take the points here, 9.5 with the Cardinals. 
That takes us to SNF. It is the 10 and 4 Chiefs headed to Chicago to take on the Bears at 7 and 7, who have been eliminated from uh, playoff contention with their loss last week in Green Bay. And Chiefs playing well. They just added Terrell Suggs to their defense off Sizzle. the Bears. Nice, nice yeah. ad. I mean, that's a they, their defense has been uh, improving a little bit uh, throughout the year, quietly getting more healthy, reestablish themselves since a terrible loss at Tennessee. They won four straight, all by seven or more. They still need wins for seeding, home field, everything. Um, you know, Bears. You look at them. You look at the game last week. A lot of people say, "Oh, you know, it was a close game. Came down to, like the last drive." Look, they got down twenty-one to three in the third quarter. Um, so I. I don't know how much I really take that seriously. Um, and that that is the reason why I'm taking the Bears here, Doctor. It's because there is no logical case here. No one looks at this and says, you know what? I like Trubisky in the points on Sunday night against Mahomes <laughs> and the Chiefs. And this is also, like you alluded to earlier, I mean, a- anyone who's in any sort of position, uh, uh, you know, based on what they've done earlier in the day, their gambling weekend, this is the make it all up or double down here on the Chiefs. I mean, it's classic. So uh, I'll let you respond to that. Yeah, you you laid it out uh, very well. And we got deep into this in the discussion we had last <laughs> night. That never really happened. Um, but and it's all true. It's all true. Like, this is it. Like, if you're, if you're a bookie on Sunday night, you're going to be cheering hard for Chicago. Over 90% of the plays right now are in on KC. And this is ridiculous. There's, there's no case anywhere doesn't make any sense um strap in sunday night if you're a bookie you need chicago plus six i'm on that side i like it i'm with you um the bears for for no other reason than it just doesn't make any sense yeah uh mahomes or trubisky (laughs) (laughs) all right all right we'll find out we'll find out sunday night bob we we will (laughs) let's get out of here and go to uh monday night football this is uh a fantastic monday night football game it is Minnesota minus five and a half to the Green Bay Packers. Minnesota's ten and four. Green Bay eleven and three. This is for division. It's for, it's for everything here. It's also for kind of Minnesota's soul in a certain way. Um, they're undefeated at home. Um, we talked about this. We, we kind of got into this a little bit at, in the conversation that never happened because you, I think, said, "Does the line make sense?" And I said, "Well, I'll, I'm going to explain to you why it makes sense." Um, on paper. So I went down the rankings. I gave you the categories of rushing, run defense, pass defense, total defense, scoring defense, sacks, takeaways. Those statistical categories is very high level. And I'm gonna give you the rankings for Green Bay. 17th, 24th, 22nd, 23rd, 9th, 17th, and 7th. Here's Minnesota's. 4th, 8th, 20th, 14th, 6th, 9th, 4th. <laughs> In every way, shape, or form from running and any, any sort of statistical high-level metric you want to look at, Minnesota is clearly the better team. This is literally coming down to Cousins versus AR-12. And uh, like we've talked about, Minnesota beats up on bad teams. Uh, Earlier on in the season, it looked like maybe they were kind of turning that around because they had a win over Philly. And then they beat Dallas in a primetime game as well. But guess what? Those are both 7-7 and teams. So this is just all, again, it's, it's all right there for them. They can change the narrative with a good performance and a win here. But uh, the last time they were in this spot was at Seattle on primetime a few weeks ago. And they were playing well the first half. You know, Kirk was having a nice game. And then all of a sudden, Delvin Cook puts the ball on the ground. 
it leads to Kirk Cousins, a bad pick, and just kind of self-destructed. And it went, these guys, who are they are? And so I I need to see it before I believe it, and I'm taking Green Bay plus a five and a half. I'll let you respond to all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I like it all there, and I'm shocked to, to see you taking taking Green Bay here. You're, you're pretty much anti-Packers and AR-12. I don't know why, but you are. No, um, I'm not. Well, that's not <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. And look, someone's got to give you. Minnesota is... 6-0 and straight up and 4-2 and against spread at home this year. Uh, Green Bay is yet to win in the Vikings' new home stadium as Minnesota's won and covered in the three previous meetings. So they're they're strong at home. Minnesota, Green Bay is 4-2 and straight up and against the spread on the road. The only missteps happen in the state of California, which I explained to you and the listeners in depth as to why they go to California and lose. So something's got to give here. I am believing in this Green Bay team winning ugly. The defense has gotten better. I know your numbers don't say it, but numbers don't tell the whole story. They're winning games. And lastly, and I think most notably and importantly, Kirk Cousins, 0-8 and eight on Monday Night Football. Worst yeah. record in NFL history. I think you said it best. It's it's kind of like the opposite of, of New England, right? I always say it's you know New England until they tell you it's not. Uh, it's not Minnesota until they tell you it is, and they they haven't done that. You know, you laid it out with the Dallas and Philadelphia not being great wins. So I'm with you. It's AR12. It's the pack plus five and a half, and I would sneak a money line money line play in on this one. Sure. Either way, uh, high theater on uh, Monday Night Football this week. I yeah. very looking very looking forward to this game. All right, that gets us to the Power Five. Would you like me to kind of start off here and maybe take the opposite? How do you want to do this? Yeah, you can. You you, you go ahead. Give it up. All right. All right, Niners minus six and a half, Giants plus two and a half, Denver minus seven, Dallas minus two and a half, in the Bears plus six and a half. Uh, uh, how about you? Uh, I think we're pretty different here. Um, not a lot of conflict, not a lot of okay. games. I am uh, Houston minus three, New England minus six and a half, Pitt minus three, Chargers minus seven, and the Pack plus five and a half. Okay. Okay, yeah, you got your got your AR twelve in there and your TV twelve in there. Of, of course. course, winners. I got winners. <laughs> All right. Um, well, that's it. We did it for the second time. Uh, that was very productive. <laughs> very productive. Well, and this I, one actually, I, I can confirm. I can confirm this one is recorded. So I'll believe it when I when I hear it. Um, well, hey, happy holidays, Bob, to you and and the listeners. And um, I'm sure you teed up in the open, but I'm looking forward to the to the bowl special we're going to do next week yeah we're going to be back with a bull bonanza podcast here and um that will be good and uh yeah happy holidays to you as well and uh we will see you next week a great lesson to learn if you want a conversation recorded you should hit the record conversation button first. Very critical to that process. A mistake I will never make again, too, because I realized this almost instantly. We hung up, I turned around, went to the computer. I was like, all right, I'm gonna boot this all up and get this going, and I went, you know what? I never hit record. There is no conversation to do this with. And the sudden just anger and sadness that came hit me over the head i went this is 
this must be what people who like describe losing something in life this is loss this is what this feels like it was uh it was very traumatic for me so that probably tells you um how challenging my life has been all the adversity i've had to face and go through and even like this decision i have coming up tomorrow between willie wright for florida atlantic or noah frith for liberty football i'm not sure i'm how i'm going to get through it it's just uh, it's going to be a tough process, so just keep me in your thoughts and prayers while I make it through this uh, difficult time in my life. And with that, this is Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I am your host, Bobby Adcock. Download, subscribe, rate, throw out a review. Twitter, Instagram, at sports pod hookup. Uh, someday I'm going to get better at social media to give you more reason to follow it other than just um, posting the content as, as another place to consume it. So uh, that will be kind of an initiative for next season likely. Um, but yeah, this was episode 20. Who knew we could get here? It's been a wonderful season. We will be back next week for a bowl episode and then we'll also continue with the final week of the NFL. So look for uh, two episodes next week. Happy holidays and good luck for week 16.